1: Welcome to Talking Sense, a podcast with me, Dr. Marta. Every week, I answer one of your real-life questions, offering you psychological understandings, ideas, and suggestions to guide and support you in helping your child. I like to start this podcast by giving you a little mindful moment just to get you ready to listen to the question that we're going to be working on together. And today, it's something that I'm just going to ask you to prioritizing your day which is to sit down. Now I don't mean sit down at a desk to work or sit down in the car to drive. We all sit down like that. I mean to sit down to rest. I want to give you permission today to rest, to actually just sit and be. You can do this for as long or as little as you need to and perhaps this is your invitation to do it right now while listening to this podcast. And whether you're resting, walking, driving, whatever you are and wherever you are, let's begin. I'm recording this close to Halloween and this week there is a question that I think fits really well with a theme of Halloween and fears and scariness. So let's have a listen. Dear Marta, our four-year-old son frequently has nightmares and night terrors. And we're wondering if you have any advice on how to deal with these. Thank you. Oh, you know, I get this question quite a lot. And I think it's something that even as adults, we misunderstand. So first of all, I want to talk about the difference between a nightmare and a night terror. Because I think... Adults often use those terms interchangeably, but actually they are very different things. And it does matter that we name them correctly. And you're gonna understand why. As soon as I explain it, it's gonna make sense as to why it matters that we differentiate between a nighttime and a night terror. Not just because of how you respond to it, but also because of how you may think of changing things in the environment in your home or even seeking support. By that, I mean medical support, okay? Night times and night terrors are not necessarily anything to do with psychology, but of course, you know, psychology is about living in the world and having relationships, and they are both impacted by changes in life events, so big transitions, going back to school or starting school, uh, being on holiday, a big family life event, Um, an illness or sickness can both trigger that. Stress, big, deep emotions. So yes, things like feeling scared or experiencing something scary during the day, which doesn't even have to be a big thing. It could be, watching a film or reading something in a story. You know, children are quite sensitive to things like that, especially if they're unfamiliar or they're new. So it might not be something really scary, but in their mind, something's remained, which is often unconscious, okay? Nightmares and night terrors are not within children's control, but the stories that emerge at night, they've they've been shaped by their kind of daily experiences. So let's start with, What is the difference? Because I do think it deeply matters. Let's start with the easy one, nightmares. I think we all know what a nightmare is and most people have experienced it. Whether you're a child or an adult, you're likely to experience nightmares across your lifespan. So some little bit of science um, that might help you understand it and also differentiate when you see this at night with your child. So nightmares usually happen in the early hours of the morning, which just to give you a clue is often after midnight. Okay. And that's because our sleep and children's sleep also becomes lighter and dreams are visual experiences. Okay. We tend to see things in our minds when we're dreaming some people dream in color and some people dream in black and white that might surprise you if you dream in one or the other but it is true and to children and of course ourselves because lots of adults also still experience nightmares they become like real experiences at night so what our bodies tend to do because we're in light sleep is wake us up Okay, we often wake up at the scariest point in the nightmare, a bit like watching a film and just switching it off. Yeah? And children, of course, they call out for our support. So, what you might witness in your child is that they're crying, or they're calling your name, or they're screaming. And when you go to them, what you are likely to notice is that they might be shaking, they might give you a cuddle, um, they might be crying and they will tend to explain the bad dream to you. So I'll give you a real life example. My little one is nearly four and she had a really bad nightmare a couple of months ago and she literally jumped out of her bed and screamed and then she couldn't stop screaming about the fact that there was a bee in her bedroom. Which sounded really nonsensical, but she kept saying there's a bee here. I can hear it. I'm really scared You know put the light on mummy. I'm really scared So we did we put the light on and you know, we did what we did, which I will talk about later But that's what it sounds like. Okay, even though it seems like nonsense There is some real life Kind of words happening here, you know, help me put the light on they want to give you a cuddle It is like a real-life moment. They're awake They're awake, okay? They had a bad dream and they woke up. And what they're seeking is comfort. And I'm going to talk about what you do with a nightmare next. But first of all, I'm going to explain the difference with a night terror. So night terrors often happen not in the early hours of the morning. They happen quite early on in their sleep. So that means before midnight or around midnight. And it's usually when their brain is in a deeper state of sleep. They are far more asleep. And when you witness a night terror, your child is not awake. And that might sound really strange because what they tend to do is scream and shout and sometimes use words, but these words are not coherent. So unlike a nightmare where your child is saying, hug me, hold me, put the light on, they won't be saying that. They'll be saying random words of scary things. So maybe they might be shouting, it's a bee, it's a bee, it's a bee. But they won't be trying to um, initiate a conversation with you or share a story. It's just a random word or just screams. Often it's just like blood curdling screams. Like as an adult, it feels terrifying. That's why they're called night terrors because they're terrifying to us. The people who witness it and what's really important to know about night terrors is that they're not like nightmares they're a lot more like sleepwalking. so some children even open their eyes and they might jump out of bed and walk around but what you will see is a glazed look on them they're not awake they are deeply asleep and if in your family there's ever been somebody who night walks or even has night terrors. And if you don't know, ask, ask your family members. Did I do this? Did your siblings do this? Because it does run in families. So night terrors are more likely when it happens around in families because it is about a neurological brain state, okay? Um, And the way that you treat or look after a night terror is very different from the way that you look at a nightmare because in the nightmare situation your child is awake and they need your support but in a night terror situation they're not awake they're still asleep so what you do really matters because it's slightly subtle and a little bit different but it can really help to make things smoother for your child but also for yourself so I'm gonna walk through some strategies that you can use for nightmares and also some strategies you can use for night terrors. And they are going to be different because they are different things that your child's brain is doing at night. And before I go into that, let's just talk for a few seconds, minutes, about what's going on in your child's brain. Nightmares and night terrors can seem really terrifying to parents and adults who witness them. However, they are developmentally appropriate and they tend to happen around the age... Of between three and six. Why? Because children's brains are changing really drastically. In the first five years of life is when children's brains grow the most. They are consolidating information, they are learning information, they are wiring neurological connections every single day. And when we sleep, all of us, this is true for all of us, but obviously particularly children, what happens is the information across the day, the things they've learnt, the things they've done, the things they've seen, the experiences they've had in their body, they get consolidated. So it's a bit like a computer, kind of storing and saving files, and that only happens at night time. So between the ages of three and six is when their brains are going to be the most active. And particularly between the age of five and six is when there's some really big brain shifts, which makes their brain a lot more active at night, because that's when it grows. The brain doesn't really grow during the day, it learns, but it doesn't do all the saving, okay? That happens at night. So if what you've started to witness is that your child has more nightmares or night terrors, and they are in this age range, and they're doing things like going to school or having new and different experiences or spending more time focusing and concentrating, this is normal. This is part of a healthy brain and emotional development. So that's the first thing I want to say. This is normal and it tends to be very healthy. Okay, there are other triggers to nightmares and night terrors and they are very similar across the board, which are things like being sick, So if your child has a temperature, they are more likely to have something like a night terror. Not necessarily a nightmare, but yes, a night terror might show up. And it's because of the temperature and their body is rising. And so when they go into deep sleep, what you might notice is that they're screaming and crying. Okay. Secondly, if they're really tired. So I know we have this false belief in our society that for children to sleep better, they need to be really tired. It's a yes and no. Children do need to be tired, but tired physically, not tired to the point of overtiredness. So it helps children sleep better if they have had a lot of movement and physical activity during the day because it tires their body out to a place of wanting to go to rest. That is not the same as pushing their bedtime later and later and later in the hope that's gonna give you a later wake up in the morning because actually that often backfires and it doesn't happen. Children wake up earlier when they're overtired and then they struggle to fall asleep. And what you might see with overtiredness is more nightmares. Okay. They've got lighter sleep. They can't go into deep sleep very easily. So they'll wake up more frequently in the night. Okay. So those two things are quite key because they have a different impact on children and, you know, stress, emotion changes, as I mentioned right at the beginning. And for most children, having nightmares or night terrors passes. It just stops happening after a while. There is not really anything you have to do to stop them from happening. And you can manage, if it feels appropriate, given your child's circumstances, you can try and manage some of the emotional impact during the day, so of stress or transitions, or you know whatever might be happening. However, of course, there's gonna be everyday life things that you can't control. If your child is um, getting used to a new home or has just had a new baby sibling or they've just started school, those things are stressful. They're gonna have an emotional impact on your child. And it's about accepting that this is part of the process of moving through change. It's okay, it's not going to harm them. It's not gonna have a long lasting effect. So for the most part, nightmares and night terrors are not something that you need to be really concerned about, but there are ways that you can manage it. And that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit next.
2: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
0: Let's get this dinner party started.
1: I'm going to start with nightmares because um, they're the ones where you can have a couple more strategies in your toolbox, hopefully, to guide your child if they've had a nightmare and it kind of sticks. What I mean by that is that when children dream and they have a nightmare and they wake up, all you have to do in the moment at night is give them lots of comfort and help them resettle back into their beds. That sometimes might mean that you have to lie with them or stay with them until they fall back asleep. You're not going to make a rod for your own back if you do this, okay? You need to see this as a moment in time. They have got scared and you're bringing them safety so they can go back to sleep and you can too, okay? It's not forever. Most children don't have nightmares every single night. Okay? And of course, what may happen in the morning is that your child remembers the nightmare. Most children do remember nightmares because they wake up and they have kind of a memory of the vision. It is really healthy and often important to talk about the nightmare if your child allows you to or wants to. So in the morning, maybe around breakfast, I would always try and keep it a little bit light talk to them about their dream. And I would call it a dream rather than a nightmare, okay? What did you dream about? I remember that you were shouting about a bee. What was that? And your child might say, it was really scary. This is what happened. So I'm gonna tell you what happened with my daughter because she did wake up and say, I, re- I was really, really scared, mummy." And I said, I know, we saw, you were so scared of the bee. What happened? Because she loves nature, and she loves being in the garden. Actually, she's never been scared of bees before. And she just said she could hear a bee buzzing in her bedroom, which obviously was part of her dream. So what did we do? We talked about it. And like I said, most children wake up at the scariest part. So she woke up at the part where she heard the bee. And what I did was extend the story. And this is a strategy you can do with children with whatever nightmare they had. Again, think of it as watching a film. You watch a film, you see something really scary, so you pause it or you stop it and then you you don't look back. Now what happens if you then press play again on the film? It's still scary because you've stopped it at the scariest part, but like most scary films, most of them, they end up having a good ending. The scary bit is just a bit of the story and then it passes and this is the bit children don't experience in a nightmare because they wake up at the scariest bit so part of what you can do if and only if it feels useful because i'm also very mindful of not turning nightmares into a problem it's okay for nightmares to happen and for you to just in the morning be light and breezy and let it go let it go it might not happen again but if your child has having a nightmare and they want to talk about it or it happens more than once then yes, talk about it, okay? You are not compounding a problem, you're gonna find a solution that may really help your child. So, talk about it, and with my bee story, some of the things we did was get some books and look at bees, and I told her about the fact that bees have a home, and they live in a beehive, and they actually always go to sleep at night because they have a cozy bed to go to, which of course, at her age, really surprised her, and she was like, what? bees go to bed at night?" And I said, yes, and they all tuck in their little home, which is called a beehive. So they don't come and buzz in your bed because one, you're not a flower and bees love flowers. They don't like children or adults. We don't smell very nice to them. And two, when it goes dark, bees like to go home and sleep just like we do. Now this was an absolute revelation to my child. And so what I said to her was, I think if there was a bee in your room, that what it was trying to do was go home. So maybe it was asking you to help it open the window and let it out so that it could go into its little beehive home. And what we did was do a drawing. Draw a little bee, draw its little home, imagine that it gets tucked in at night, like she likes to get tucked in, so we tucked in the bee. And what we did was create an ending to this nightmare, an ending that was sweet and light and gave her a vision of something very different to the idea of there's a bee in my room and it's attacking me and I'm going to get hurt. It became, oh, there's a bee in a room and it needs me to help it get to its home so it can get tucked in at night by its mummy and daddy. And what does this do? I'm obviously sharing my story, hopefully to help you. I know your child's nightmare will not be the same as mine, but hopefully this helps you have like a more concrete idea of what it sounds like to share a different story. So use pictures. If they can draw draw it, or you draw it with them, you can also use role play depending on the nightmare. Finish the dream. Make it sweet, light, or even funny. Humor is wonderful. So if what your child has witnessed in a nightmare is a monster showing up, you can finish that dream by thinking, you know, the monster suddenly gets a cake thrown in its face, or it falls down a chute, Or something really silly happens, like it actually brings out a wig and starts to do a little dance. Doesn't matter. Whatever fits for your child, go with their likes and interests and try and invent an idea of what could be really silly or funny that the monster was actually going to do. Because you woke up because the monster was meant to look scary. But maybe the monster looks scary, but what it was going to do was funny or silly or light. Okay, you want to end the dream in a positive way. And Children really, like, they get this. I know as an adult you might be listening to this and go, this is silly because it happened in their dream and now we're trying to play out in real life. Yes, yes, because children's brains blur fantasy and reality. Dreams are real to kids and don't, you know, don't forget as an adult if you've ever had a nightmare, they feel really real. They do. The experience that we have at night in our beds feels like we're walking through this dream in real time. So playing it out helps children kind of go, oh, there's a different ending and I never watched it. And then when they go to bed, you can remind them. You can help them visualize this good ending. If you've done a drawing, bring it up at bedtime, you know, show them like I showed my little one, you know, remember the little bees are gonna get tucked into bed, okay? I don't think any bees here tonight. Can you hear anything? No, I don't think they are here and I don't think they're going to come back because they've all gone to bed. And she didn't she never had this nightmare again by the way, but she still had a bit of a fear for a few nights that the bee might be in her bedroom. So we talked it through and we gave it this ending. And now every time she sees a bee, she actually says, "Oh, it's daytime and at bedtime they're going to get tucked into their little house." Children remember these stories and they hold on to them like they're realities. So do practice that. Try it out see what happens. I promise that it works. And also, as I said at the beginning, and I'm going to repeat it because it is important. If your child has a nightmare and they don't bring it up and they don't seem afraid in the morning, let it go. You don't have to make a big deal of this. See it as part of the process of their brain development and perhaps the process of moving through changes or transitions. With nightmares, You can also try and adjust things that you think will bring your child more comfort or safety during the day. If you think it's stress or you think it's, you know, something emotional, or you think there's something going on because of a change in your family life, focus on things like routines. This means consistent sequence of events. The timings may change and transfer, but children do feel a lot of predictability and stability when they know how the day flows. So focus on routine, focus on doing some one-on-one with them. Doesn't have to be hours, just a few minutes of day of your full presence, connecting through play or silliness or running around in the park together. Something that brings them that sense of belonging with you because it will create an internal safety and security that then lets them go to sleep more soundly at night. And remember, even if you do all of this and they have a nightmare, it's probably nothing you've done wrong. It's just what's happening in their brain. Nightmares are not harmful. They don't harm kids. They have no long lasting impact. Unless the one caveat I will throw in here is if your child has experienced a really serious trauma. And if that's the case, you will know hopefully, as a parent, that they have experienced a trauma. And what do I mean by a trauma? I mean something like a car accident, or something that they've witnessed that's been terrifyingly scary. So not like a film, okay? I mean something really big, like witnessing somebody else in an accident, or witnessing somebody knocking over a cyclist, something like that, okay? A real life experience that has frightened them. When that happens, children may have what we call flashbacks. So they're not nightmares, they're repetitions of something they witnessed in real time that has brought them some confusion and their nightmares are actually a way of them processing these events. If this is happening for your child then yes it might be helpful for you to meet with a professional and talk things through and they can give you some real individualized strategies about how to work on this. I could offer this here now but I'm not going to because that is so specific to an individual's experience and I think it's um, actually unhelpful for me to try and summarize it in a way that's useful to any of you that need that. So I think the most useful thing for me to do as a professional in mental health is to say if your child has gone through a trauma then do seek professional help. And often, if your child has experienced one of these traumas, there often will be professional help on hand that will be offered to you. And if not, request it. You have the right to ask for support when your child needs it. And finally, let's have a little think about night terrors. Now, remember that night terrors tend to happen in deep sleep and your child is asleep as if they're sleepwalking. So what you need to do if your child is having a night terror, and like I said, it can be difficult to unpick between a nightmare and a night terror. So my biggest suggestion is that whenever you get screams and cries from your child in the middle of the night, if they make you, you know, jump awake, the first thing you need to do is just pause. Don't necessarily run off to your child. Just wait for a moment. If you've got a baby monitor, watch them. A child who's having a nightmare will carry on calling out for your name. Mama, Papa, help me, help me. Okay, it's very clear communication. I need you. A night terror often just looks like screams. They're not calling for you. They're screaming, so it looks terrifying. It will feel terrifying. I mean, I called it blood curdling screams and they really, really are that. But if your child's eyes are closed and they're in bed, they may not need you there, okay? And actually, not going is not neglecting your child because what you're doing is just sitting and waiting and observing. Now, I'm gonna make this really clear. This is for children who are aged between three and six. This is not tiny babies. Tiny babies don't tend to have night terrors, okay? little babies when they call at night they have a need and they're asking you to meet it so yes go to your child but if your child is between three and six you can wait you're not going to harm them and if you feel pulled to go because you know I'll be honest I feel pulled to go and your you know their eyes are closed the best you can do is go towards them to comfort and reassure without waking them up So, I'm gonna repeat that. You're not gonna wake them up, okay? You're not gonna put the light on. You're not gonna have a big conversation with them. You're gonna speak in really hushed tones because your job in the middle of a night terror is just to offer comfort. So, it might sound like just placing your hand on their back or on their tummy and just being like, shh, 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 That's enough, that's enough. And you can stay with them in the room if you find it, you know, too difficult to not be there. And if that's the case, I get it. A hundred percent. Or if you do, because you've got a really good baby monitor and you're like, this is okay. This, I don't need to go in that room. I've understood that actually they're still fast asleep. That is also okay. Just stay with them until they calm, because they're still asleep. What you don't want to do is wake them. When you wake them, they will get distressed. And so what then you will see is that your child is really distressed but they're really confused as to why they're suddenly awake and you're in their room because they don't get it okay it is not a nightmare they are not awake they do not know what is going on so similarly to sleep walking strategies you direct them to bed if they get up you don't talk the the only thing like you might say is it's okay let's go to bed if they've got up or if they're already in bed, you tuck them in, you reassure, hush tones, no conversation. You're not going to try and talk to them out of the night terror, okay? You're just gonna wait for it to calm. And if it's a night terror, it will. They often only last minutes, if that, okay? They're just very loud minutes so they can feel like a lot of tension. Um, But that's it, okay? And like I said, night terrors tend to be more triggered by things like having a temperature or being unwell, but it can be and is part of brain development as well. Night terrors, if they come and go, you know, a few weeks here and a few weeks there around the ages of three to six, they are nothing to worry about. But if you see that your child has persistent night terrors, and what do I mean by persistent? I mean every single night between the hours of something like 10 and 1am, they have one or more night terrors and it happens every night or three to four times a week, then I do want you to go and see your doctor. Now, I don't want to scare you. It doesn't mean your child has anything terrible going on for them. Often it's not, but it can be like sleepwalking, something to do with their brain. And some children do benefit with a little bit of help. And again, it won't be anything invasive, it won't say anything about your child's development in any particular way. It's just that their brain may need a little bit of help to settle, okay? And it's, it's good to go to a doctor and get lots of reassurance and know that what you're doing with your child is going to support them. So don't be afraid to ask for help. But, like I said, if you see a night terror once a month and your child is within this age range of three to six, that's pretty normal. And you know, it's, it's nothing to really be concerned about. Just be there to soothe them and it will pass. And we're coming to an end. Thank you so much for joining me on another Talking Sense podcast. I always like to end offering you a little mantra to hold you for the rest of the week. And this week, I want you to remember that I bring the calm. Your karma is contagious to your child. And just remember that you can bring that and have control for it whenever you need to. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do take a second to rate it or write a little review. Come and join me and my community on Instagram at drmartapsychologist.com. And I say this every week, but I will be launching a newsletter and it's going to have some happy and fun things sent to you every week alongside, hopefully, some useful strategies and tools that you can put into action. If you would like to sign up, then go to my website, drmartipsychologist.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and put your email on there. I look forward to seeing you again next week on another Talking Sense podcast. Until then, see you soon.